Welcome to Which Game First, where we explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we find any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First up this week, we lay tiles in the light of the silvery moon in Nova Luna. Next up, we pray tiles don't fail us in the shadow of the sun god in Ra, Pharaoh edition. And lastly, we use our cards to farm both day and night in Pomegranate Planet. I'm your host, Celestia Angels, here with my decades-long gaming buddies, Evan Bernstein. Hi, everyone. Ed Povolitis. Hi, game time. And Mike Grunier. This is going to be the smurfiest smurf that ever smurfed. (laughs) (laughs) Our first game up this week is Nova Luna, designed by Yui Rosenberg and Corne Van Moorsell. Sorry, Mr. Moorsell, if I did that wrong. <laughs> Edition, uh, sorry, published by Edition Spielweiss and Stronghold Games in 2019. Number of players one to four, ages eight and up. Playtime, 30 minutes. Okay, Mikey, what's in the box? The cover of the box shows a circle of dispassionate cherubin moon faces in different phases in a cycle over a swirly four-colored backdrop. Inside we have 68 tiles in four different colors, 84 colored tokens, a moon wheel, and a moon meeple. And that's what's (laughs) in the box. Before we tell you if we were moonstruck by this game, Evan, illuminate us with some rules. Nova Luna. That's Latin for new moon. It's an abstract tile laying game where the goal is to be the first player to successfully place all 20 of their scoring markers onto the tiles that are collected. On each turn, a player chooses one of three available tiles situated around a large circular board. Wherever your marker is on the board, choose one of the next three tiles from your position. Tiles come in four colors, blue, turquoise, orange, and yellow. Each tile has one, two, or three possible scoring tasks to fulfill. To fulfill the task, place tiles of the correct color adjacent to the task you want to complete. For example, a tile might have a task on it to place a yellow tile adjacent to it. Or a tile might have a task in which you have to place a yellow tile and an orange tile and a blue tile adjacent to it. Each time a task is solved, place one of your markers on it. Be the first one to place all your markers and bask in the glow of victory by the light of the silvery moon. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I didn't get a chance to play this game with you guys. Did you play it on Board Game Arena or in person? We played on Board Game Arena. BGA. Okay, well, it looks very fancy with some really nice components in person how did it look online um i mean you're missing the moon meeple but otherwise uh, it had the, the graphic pretty well represented yeah i thought but, that yeah, go ahead the colors are really bright did they come out nice and bright on the screen you turn the brightness up on your display. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they showed up pretty well on the screen as far as, uh, you know, they were supposed to. Um, yeah. I did think they were kind of close to each other, though. Like, one was orange with yellow lines. Another one was yellow with orange lines. You know, blue yeah, with I light thought blue. There was, there was enough distinction, though. We've played games mm. in which it's darn right confusing to figure out what color is what. But I don't, I see what you're saying, Mike. I never really felt confused by that, though. Um, mm. Even though some of the collars complement each other, I felt it made a very nice palette. 
Yeah, no, it, it was definitely pretty. I'll definitely say those colors are gorgeous together, and the little designs on each tile also were really nice looking. Okay, so I had a little bit of confusion understanding something you said there, Evan. You're saying that you lay uh, your pieces on adjacent tiles or on the same tile, just adjacent to the number. Okay, so when you you're going to move your marker around the board to collect the tile that you want. You're mm -hmm. going to choose one of the next three available tiles, depending on where you are on that board. So you take that, you place it. Then that tile becomes your instructions for the uh, puzzles that you have to fulfill in surrounding that particular tile. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. All right. And Ed, you said drafting tiles was interesting in this game? Well, yeah, because they're, well, they're that nice little circular, no moon display where you have that big moon meeple and all the tiles on it and you're drafting from that but what's interesting about it is you only can pick the ones that are next to the moon meeple you know within three and and then it moved to where you pick and, and then the next ones are available based on um you know what other players pick and also you can kind of control the you have your colored disc on that moon track and the number of spaces it moved up depends on the tile you took. The mm -hmm. higher the number on the tile you take, the more you go down that track. So if you take a, a low number, it's likely you're going to be able to draft another tile again quickly. But if you take a high number, it might be a little while before you get to take mm -hmm. another tile, depending on what the other players do. Yeah, it's like golf. The, the player who is always furthest back hits next. Yeah. And, and that and that means you can take potentially a couple of tiles right in a row if you choose low enough numbers. Correct. Yep. And mm. the low numbers tend to have less scoring options on them. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, makes so, sense. Yep. So if you you can make a big board with tiles, you know, like all the cheap tiles, and like move around more slowly than the other players, or you can pace yourself to go faster than the other players and get the really really valuable ones you kind of need a mix though yeah, i was <laughs> gonna ask mm -hmm. that it's like can you go all low and quick or all high and slow or do you have to mix them do you think uh, i think I, you yeah this is a good question i don't really know the answer because i haven't tried all the strategies but i think what's important is you have a strategy in the sense of i think both can work but you got to make sure you're picking the tiles that work with that strategy mm -hmm. it's not enough yeah. just to take low numbers you also got to get the colors that uh, work with your strategy, you know, what you have. And you're building a tableau. So you take one tile, and then the next tile has to be somewhere adjacent to that tableau. And those adjacencies are, are what triggers whether or not you get to put a scoring disc on it or mm -hmm. not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because, like, a lot of the tiles don't have their own color on them. But when they do, they kind of have a little bit more value to them because you can put two of those tiles next to each other, and they're both triggering each other. Yeah, right. this one needs a blue next yep. to the blue. So, mm. yeah, because yeah, building a chain of colors is very helpful. Because, like, um, as long as it's a you know connected in a, uh, a chain of a diagonally adjacent um, tile, you can count them all. So it's like I have four reds in a row. Then, wow, I pick this thing on it, and I can satisfy a four red right away. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. I call red orange in this game, but yeah, uh, you know that's. I get what orange. you're saying. No, it is yeah, it is yellow, blue, and navy blue. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the turquoise is they turquoise. call turquoise. Yeah, I guess it's kind of funny. Like I look at the tile, it looked like it's uh, um, like a little orangey. But if you look at the 
there's a little dot inside the circle and circle that look a little more reddish. So. Yeah, yeah, that was a little bit. You're you're correct, Ed. The dots themselves do are a shade darker. Slight, than, just a slight uh, shade darker. I don't know. But yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, we're talking Orange about colors. Orange and red is a real tough blend. Mm-hmm. It's tough to play. Have them both in your game. Yeah, but they're not both. There's, there's actually only red. There's red, right. yellow, and then the two that are close are the turquoise. Mm-hmm. And the, the navy blue. Yeah, but they're not too close. You know? yeah, cyan, not close. cyan and jewel blue. Yeah, yeah navy blue <laughs> or cyan. I yeah. do like cyan. That's a nice name. Yeah. You know, so, as far as the strategy of moving around the board and trying to get the tiles, and as you said, Celeste, you choose a strategy and you make the most of it. Remember, the players are picking up a lot of those tiles that you want as they go. Mm-hmm. And this mm-hmm. board doesn't refresh itself until it's practically out of tiles. And you have to choose a tile. So you you're going to be forced to take a bunch of tiles that you really can't use for your mm. for your play, which to me means, generally speaking, try to stick to the lower tiles because they're just easier to fulfill. See, I, I like the I like the higher tiles. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know me. I I mean, I, you don't want to move around the board too fast and just missing a lot of opportunities. But like yeah. the the expensive tiles have a lot of potential scoring options on them, so you can score that same tile in you know three different you know three. Yeah, different it opens ways, up your know? options yeah. absolutely. Definitely yeah. makes other tiles uh, more valuable. And another way the game is balanced is that the lower numbers have. Not only just fewer scoring opportunities, but they're more difficult to complete. For example, mm-hmm. the ones that are higher numbered often they only have one dot or dots of the same colors, while your your lower numbered might have, have multiple a, have colors in the same mm-hmm. dot. An yes. easy mix. Okay. Yeah. All right. And so, Mike, you said this game reminds you of a different game. Yeah. So I, we played this game on the show, um, Tokaido was a game that oh, we yeah. played where mm-hmm. you're kind of uh, you're hiking through the mountains and you're trying to make different stops. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. if you're in the back of the of the pack, you can make multiple stops before mm-hmm. another player gets to go. So you can, you, even though you're going slower, you're also getting more opportunities. And this game had that same kind of feel to pacing. It. Oh, yeah. that's that's interesting. I did enjoy that in Tuck. Did Kaido. trails it, or parks also have that mechanism? One of those two. Yeah, games uh, had that. parks. I think had it. Maybe parks had it as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's cool. It's it, I like that mechanic actually because it gives the players a kind of a sense of agency over you know what they're doing in the board it's like it's kind of using action economy as the economy of the game yes yeah (laughs) i know what you're saying yeah which is fair um ed do you thought it was a little light on theme it's slightly i mean it does have the the lovely moon theme and a moon meeple but the rest of it doesn't necessarily feel Hmm. what does the moon have to do with the other things that are going on like yeah. they're scoring the tiles and stuff. I'm not necessarily seeing that connection, but it does at least have the the cool phases of the moon moon track with the moon mm-hmm. people. So, yeah. <laughs> As looks are concerned, yeah, I agree. Like the look is more thematic than the gameplay is for sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you liked it the way it looked online, or you liked the way it played online, Mike? Well, I mean, mostly because of the scoring, because you can kind mm-hmm. of see what's going to score. And like when you're trying to count up the score, you have to like, if you're doing it in person, you have to look at each individual tile and say, is this one scoring? Is that one scoring? You know uh, what I mean? Like this yeah, thing is just yeah. boom, score, done. Yeah, but, it, it does the heavy lifting for you. Uh-huh. But yeah. did it score too quickly and you didn't know what was going on? That's sometimes a problem with Board Game mm-hmm. Arena. Um, usually that's a problem, or oftentimes anyway. But in this case, um, it was kind of easy to know 
you know, all you're doing is trying to get tiles to be adjacent to each other with certain colors. So right. it wasn't like there was so much going on that I just missed the boat. <laughs> so it was just doing the math. And you're not doing any yeah. math. It's all about putting dish down. If you can put the dish down, then that's it. And then the first player to get rid of all the dish wins. Yep. Yeah, the discs are basically saying, I completed this task, I completed that task. And they fit right onto the tiles. So, yeah, you're just emptying your discs out. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury Nova Luna. What say you, Ed? I enjoy the interaction of the drafting tiles and hope to get certain ones later and then the puzzle of organizing your little tiles to have maximum effect. So I'm going to dig this up for another cycle of the moon. (laughs) Evan? Nova Luna, it was easy to learn and easy to play. I found that much of the strategy lied in collecting tiles that had... I think relatively easy tasks to accomplish and uh, didn't didn't force yourself to get too far ahead on that wheel because you can find yourself waiting a long time for your next turn. Dig it up. Mike? This game really let the players have a little bit of control of the pace of their own game um, while still giving you a sense of urgency to get the tiles you wanted. So there was a nice uh, push and pull there. Um, action efficiency as an actual currency is interesting. Um, and I thought it was fun and looked really nice. So I'll dig it up. Well, uh, explorers, we want to know, <laughs> <laughs> are you new moon or full moon? <laughs> we are at which game first on all social media. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're a LARPer, you're always full moon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> always. Okay, everybody. What is going on with which game first? Well, as you know, but I will remind you that Monday nights are which game first nights because we play live a board game online and we invite everybody to watch and join us and watch see us fumble our way through learning <laughs> a brand new game for the first time. We play trivia with the audience, a lot of inter- interaction, a lot of fun, a lot of laughs. It's at 8 o'clock on the East Coast of the United States. That is the time zone in which we are. And that is when we play each Monday night. We would really love for you to join us. Yeah. See you there on Mondays. Mm-hmm. And, you know, every other week, right before we record the episode or after, depending on the day, we got our bonus points, which we have our patrons join mm. us. Oh, it's so much fun. We, t- we love saying the word bonus points. But not Here. everybody gets access to bonus points, That's Mike. True. I know. How can you get access to bonus points? For the low, low price, <laughs> the very affordable price of $3, you can become a patron. And those are our special fans that get to come hang out with us when we pick a topic and go buck wild with it and see where it ends up. We roll the dice. We figure out how long this we're going to talk about the topic for. <laughs> and we just kind of, we usually stray off the path at some point, but it's a really fun conversation that you get to kind of be there to comment on and like listen to us. Just go for it. It's a great mini podcast every other week that's just for our patrons. And uh, there is a huge back library of, of um, bonus points that you mm-hmm. can get access to mm-hmm. all of them right in your feed if you join us as a patron. And thank you so much to all our patrons. We really appreciate you. And all of our listeners, we just want to give you a big mid-year thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. 
our next game, our next game up is Raw yeah. Pharaoh Edition, designed by Reiner Nesia. Uh-huh. Hey. Hey, Reiner. So We haven't mm-hmm. seen you since the board game design conference. Yeah. <laughs> we have to have him back on the show again. Awesome. Published by New Edition by 25th Century Games. So that's the new edition published by 25th Century Games um, in 2023. Originally published in 1999. Number of players 2 to 5, ages 12 and up. Playtime 30 to 60 minutes. Mikey, what's in this box? A vividly covered modern-ish interpretation of a hieroglyph of Ra, the sun god, dominates the cover of this box. Of course he dominates. He's Ra. (laughs) (laughs) As his radiance shimmers down upon him, he drifts along in his sunboat with maybe Amun or Osiris. It's hard to tell. Mm -hmm. Somebody stretchy and blue um, (laughs) stretching their whole body in an archway over the top in an impossible arch above the scene. Uh, Inside we find a game board. 180 tiles, including gods, pharaohs, niles, floods, droughts, monuments, and so many more. Wow. Uh, There are also 48 VP tokens in various denominations, 16 sun tokens, a raw figure, and a very impressive cloth bago. Mm -hmm. And that's what's in the box. Well, before we tell you if we were all rah-rah for this game, Evan, rah, cite the rules for us. Oh, boy, that was a stretch. <laughs> Thank you, Salah, rah-less. Salah-less. That wasn't forced at all. Rah is an auction and set collection game with an ancient Egyptian theme. In turn, players draw a tile from the bag and places it on the sun chart. At any time, a player may initiate a bidding round to try and win all of the tiles on the chart. Tiles can be useful, detrimental, or they can simply move the sunboat across the sky, which is effectively (laughs) the game clock. The bidding starts with the player to the left, and they can either pass or bid using their bidding tiles, which are known as suns. The suns are numbered 1 through 13. 13's the highest bid. If you win the bid, collect the tiles, resolve any disaster tiles, and place all other tiles on your scorecard in their appropriate sections. Each section has different scoring rules. Watch out for that sun chart. As the sunboat moves across the sky, the round draws to a close, and the game lasts for only three rounds. Score at the end of each round accordingly, and score the game end points after the third round. Highest point total wins. Hurrah! Hurrah! Huzzah! Hurrah! Huzzah hurrah. <laughs> oh boy, did we play in person. Oh yeah. And yeah, I'm very, did. very glad we did. Can we get right to Bago? Oh. Is that okay? <laughs> yeah, of course. I, mean, yeah, I, can't, totally. I can't let you wait okay. any longer. I because know as, Mike's, as Mike said, that. 180 tiles. Yeah. Now all those tiles start off in that bag. Am I not? Am I right? That's For correct. the most part, yeah. All right, you Matt, have to have a bag that holds 180 tiles. I don't. Yeah. I mean, so we're talking about you know. I mean, you could you know you could put a small animal into that bag and <laughs> yeah. carry it around. Really. Yeah. It exactly. Is, and these are not small tiles. These are thick. large wooden tiles that have been painted. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I know. They're they're beautiful tiles. Mm-hmm. And Evan, I don't think you did the bag justice. You neglected to mention it was not it was beautifully screen printed mm-hmm. yes. in full color. Mm-hmm. 
with the image of, I'm going to assume, Ra, Mm -hmm. and a snake around the sun, and this beautiful turquoise color with a colored string to pull it shut. And a chevron border design. Yeah, it's really nice. Yeah, all the extra little things they did. It is a beautiful bag and yeah. very smart use of the bag as well. I mean, yeah. it was you used it often, and mm-hmm. every time you used it, it was exciting. Yeah. Some people <laughs> used it more often than others. <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> Some people only pulled out the sunboat oh every time they reached into the damn thing. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, we could talk about the sunboat right now if you sure, want. Sure, go for it. Yeah, the so, sunboat. Yeah, one of the random tiles you can pull out of the uh, bag is the sunboat. And the sunboat moves the... The little piece uh, across a track that when the track ends, you know, the boat sets sail. There's no more bidding on tiles anymore. So, you know, you could. End of an epoch. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Round it. And it draws to a close. Oh, my God. And if it comes fast and you've been saving all your bidding tiles and then all Mm -hmm. of a sudden a bunch of sunboats come out, you're not going to be able to win any bids. Mm -hmm. You get nothing. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) It It encourages you to spend early. Mm-hmm. And I Go guess it, it was our first time playing. I'm not sure if Ed played uh, before us because, you know, Ed plays a lot of these games ahead <laughs> of us because yeah. Ed is just a cheater. That's, <laughs> just, I was surp- that's just how he is. <laughs> I was surprised to hear this was an originally a 19, uh, 1999 publication. Oh, so, really? Yes, wow. It, it originally published in 1999, and I have played it previously, although it's been a long time since the last time I played this game. I did not own a copy of this game until now. Smart, because this this version of the game is 20 times better looking than oh, yeah. the previous nice. version. It yeah. was worth the 25-year wait. Yeah. The, uh, the other the, version the is other downright ugly. not bad, but this one is just good. The other <laughs> one was all brown. It was... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're trying to be all authentic. Yeah, well, they yeah. took some liberties with the uh, art and colors in this one, but I, I appreciated it. Though. Oh, it for really sure. popped. For sure. Well, we don't know what the colors were back then. Yeah, that's true. Maybe they yeah, were white and pop. I thought the world then. was black and white back then. <laughs> <laughs> All the photos said so. No, Evan. Back was, in Egypt, it was just sepia tone. It was, yeah, sepia, oh, that's right. Khaki, the world's sepia, sepia tone. Yeah. <laughs> Duh. Oh, man. Um, but yes, the beautiful looking game and that boat coming out and stopping stuff is a true encouragement to spend and bid. Mm-hmm. Because you want to, I mean, I felt really good bidding throughout this game. Mm-hmm. That was the one thing I felt they did very well is like mm-hmm. encourage you to bid and not regret if you got sort of a mediocre sale. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, oh, I may have overpaid for that. Well, better than not getting a chance to pay at all. Yeah. yeah I think that's a great part of the, there's a double luck kind of thing there where it, the luck to draw the bag. And then, well, do I wait for more or do I go ahead and do the mm. mediocre auctions? So you're kind of playing <laughs> mm-hmm. a psychology game now with your with your other players because it's like, well, I'm going to put this little mediocre bit. I'm going to invoke raw. <laughs> I'm this stuff right now. Yep. Just to see. And I'm going to put my little one out there. You definitely enjoyed doing that, Ed. Yeah, I did. You're yes, like, screw did. that. I'm calling an auction now. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I I, did, I appreciated that. Uh, I had a little bit of trouble with the symbology. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it, my only 
the only thing I'm thankful for is there wasn't a lot of symbology. Mm-hmm. Right. It symbol- wasn't overwhelming. That right. Way. There was maybe, you know, 10 or 12 things to, to learn. But the, I had the toughest time with the floods. Didn't quite get how mm. the left side of the flood and the right side of the flood yeah. played off each other. Yeah. Um, so there was a little bit of trickiness there. I think probably by the second playthrough, you that would be all gone. But on that first playthrough, you you really don't know how fast the game's going to go. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel that it does move faster than you expect. They say mm-hmm. 30 to 60 minutes, but it's the kind of 60 minutes that just kind of whizzes right by. Yeah. And there's always, you know, there's always a reason for everybody to be like looking at the board because the decision for them is going to come pretty quickly. Yeah, you know, that's personally. probably why. My, uh-huh. That's probably why it rushes because we're always busy thinking. Mm-hmm. I think so, part of it is because the turns are so short. The decision um, is relatively simple. You're going to need to turn, draw a tile out of the back. That's it. That's what you do in turn. Yeah. And then, or invoke an auction. Yep. Right. Those are your, those are your choices. Mm-hmm. Do I draw or do an auction? And then, of course, the auction itself is very interesting. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually wanted to make sure I talked about that. So I, I didn't, even though we don't want to go too heavy on the rules, I think an important part of this game is the, the auction tiles themselves. So everybody gets a balanced group of four different auction tiles. And one thing we didn't mention, Mike, about the auction mm-hmm. tiles and uh-huh. some of the other components is that they're heavy wood. Oh, everything mm-hmm. is just thick, heavy Paints wood. It's painted. so nice. Yeah, yes. Beautiful. So, yeah, with the auction tiles, you're, everybody gets kind of a preset balance of numbers. You know, like somebody will have the highest and lowest number and two mediocres, and everybody else will have, you know, a mix of the tiles. But as the game progresses, when you, make, when you win a bid, you take the tile you won the bid with, and you put it in the center and take whatever tile was in the center back into your, into your pile for the next round of bidding. Mm-hmm. So, you know, next time it comes around, you're going to have a, a completely different set of numbers than you had before. I know. So, it's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's really wild. wild. Yeah. It's, it's part of your strategy, actually, to like, mm-hmm. hey, I don't want to win this auction with my 12 because I'm going to get a three in its place. Right. Um, and every number is unique. Three, yeah. No yeah. ties. So. It's another layer to the it's auction. another layer. Yeah. Like, oh, Mikey just won that auction and put up his uh, 12. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I want that 12, baby. I don't want it to be a big pot in the middle. I want it. No crappy stuff. Even the disaster, I'll yep. bid on it because I want the twelve. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Disasters are tiles that you have to take oh, that mess gosh. things up for you. <laughs> like right. if they're in part of the auction, so that it makes oh. people not want to win the auction. Because sometimes those disasters will wreck things you've already saved up on your little board yep. of scoring. Start pulling your points of off your board. Yeah, oh, you start losing painful. points. It was painful. Very painful. <laughs> but in a fun way. Yeah. <laughs> But sometimes if you're like, it'll affect one person really badly, but the disaster might not affect the other person who doesn't have, let's say, any temples on their board yet or any, you know. Yeah, you draw the disaster that says, destroy two of your monument tiles. Well, I don't have any monument tiles. Sure, I'll take that disaster because it doesn't impact me. I don't have floods, so I can take some droughts, no problem, you know. So, so you can win an auction pretty cheap, too, sometimes, because you can look around the board and say, Evan's definitely not going to want to win this auction, even though I know he has higher numbers than me, you know? Right. Well, it speaks to the game as to how highly ranked it is, right, mm-hmm. Ed? Uh, yes. I mean, it's, it's, it's also um, a classic game. It's really widely ranked. considered among the best auction games out there. So it says, you, you say here that it has a number 12 on BGA. What does that mean? Okay, so um, 
to give you an idea of just how classic or old this game is, it is um, the twelfth game that was entered in BGA database. Wow. <laughs> what? Yes. Holy this, cow. Like, you know how like a database, you know, you know it sequentially <laughs> adds number as you add stuff to the database? This is the 12th <laughs> game that was added to the database. And oh it's my now God. For board well game over 380,000. Games. Wow. Games well, in the database. When Board Game Geek was like an ASCII file kind of. It wasn't nothing. Yeah, age. right. But yeah, it didn't text, start off. No pictures, probably. Uh, wow. I wonder what the first one was. Holy man. crow. 12. That's impressive. Wow. That is, that's something. It's like okay. having license plate number three or phone number, <laughs> right. you know, number eight. <laughs> okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury Ra the Pharaoh edition. How about you, Evan? Ra looks great. Excellent components. Reasonable symbology. It does not take a long time to grasp the rules. Auction games are fun in general, but the convention where winning future bidding positions is part of the auction, that is unique. And mm-hmm. I really liked it. This is one of the best games I've played so far this year. Dig it up. Yeah. Mike? Although there was definitely a luck factor which can smack you down, <laughs> uh, there was also a press your luck factor. Yeah. So sometimes you can blame the RNG, and sometimes you just got to blame yourself for messing it up. <laughs> um, add in these gorgeous, beautiful, heavy parts and the table presence that it brings, and I have to excavate this uh, game for another time, so dig it up. Ed? It's a classic auction game from Mindonesia. I didn't have the classic version, so I checked this out when the new version came out, and I'm glad I did. Maybe some people think it's overproduced. I just think it's excellent. Mm. The classic <laughs> gameplay is good. It's so good. I dug this up and invoke raw again. Invoke yeah. raw. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ed, the gold coins that come with it, is that in every edition? Well, this, it's the Deluxe Pharaoh edition. Okay, Deluxe Pharaoh edition. Oh, there are metal, yeah, the metal bidding coins as well. Yeah, oh, they were great. Yeah, the, the, the coin tokens, yep. Okay, the look and feel of this game is lovely. I do think that the theme informs play very nicely. It does give me that feel of something that could have been happening or thought about in the ancient times or uh, around this god. So that was kind of neat and loved the pacing. Great little bit in game. Really loved it. Um, So it's definitely a dig up for me as well. Nice. What auction game has you? Raising your number paddle. Let us know at which game first. Our last game up this week is Pomegranate Planet. (laughs) (laughs) Designed by Ben Krieger and Josh Paw. Published by Paw Warrior Games. Number of players, 2 to 4. Ages 11 and up. Playtime, 30 to 60 minutes. Really? Jeez, I didn't feel like that. (laughs) All right, Mikey, what's in the little box? The cover of the box keeps it simple and breezy. Just a cute, cartoony pomegranate tree on a subtle, swirly blue backdrop with a banner stating, if you plant them, they will grow. Hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) Inside, we find 78 market cards, four sets of 15 bidding cards, and four reference cards. And that's all you need. That's what's in the box. Well, before we find out if this game was as sweet as it sounds, Evan, 
Juice us some rules. Pomegranate Planet. It's a blind auction card game where the players are pomegranate uh, pomegranate farmers. Farmers. Farmers, farmers. yeah, trying to grow the most productive palm fields. Each player receives a stack of 15 palm pebble cards. Players will use these cards to bid on market cards. Market cards include things like seeds, water, fertilizer, special tools, and dreaded pests. Each turn, five market cards are placed face up in the center of the table. Players will bid on each card by placing one of their palm pebble cards face down in front of the market card. And then everyone reveals at the same time. Generally speaking, the highest bid will win that card. Mm-hmm. In the case of a tie-in a game with three or four players, the second highest bid will oh, win the card. Oh, so painful. Uh, we'll get to that. Place the cards mm-hmm. you win into your inventory. When there are five or more cards in your inventory, use them all to plant one of your three fields. The first player to plant their third field triggers the end of the game. Everyone plants, does their final planting, score all your points, and their victor becomes the king or queen of the palm. See what uh, I did there? The king. Prom, palm, palm, yeah. palm king. Palm queen. Yep. I, I should slam the door shut again. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, let's just get the art out of the way. Okay, this let's game, go there. You know, there's a lot of times when we do a third segment, you know, it's a, a little bit funnier than the other ones or jokier because the the so many of the games are brutally poor in some area or fall short in some way mm-hmm. this usually game, from 1968 yeah right? <laughs> i mean of the entire game the art is by far the poorest part of this game so let's just get it out of the way because the rest <laughs> of it is, is is some interesting playability so pomegranate planet could the colors have been any flatter i mean this is muted mm. this is the definition of muted yeah. colors right here yeah. this palette not in a good way. <laughs> yeah, even the reds didn't pop. Like, it was kind of like just everything felt neutral. Neutral and a little sickly. Like, they, a little yeah, the greens, off. Yeah, they worked, a little off. They everything worked was a little too off. hard around the pomegranate color, which does have this distinct reddish-pink color. Mm. And then they based sort of everything else, I think, off of that, but it kind of dragged everything down into this muted version. Yeah, I can't but the reddish-pink came earthy. out, like, the reddish-pink came out, like, orangey red i think like almost yeah, but like, i wonder if that's because of the context upon the those shades of like sea green and stuff that it that it it, it butts up against so yes. I, it, the palette um, just doesn't seem to really work i have well. a sneaking suspicion i could be wrong but when we were trying to print games me and ed we also had a problem with like the difference between rbg and cmyk like sometimes somebody's <laughs> yeah. if, when they're designing it, they're designing in one, RGB. and when they send it to a printer, right, they and they're designing RBG, and yeah, it comes out I different looking. Pose it's possible. It seems to me like if it's if it's a printing issue, it's probably just the fact that they 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 didn't like the printer may have not printed it in the best colors. Yeah, um, yeah, but don't you, you know, get a test? Don't you run run one test yeah, copy before you run the lot? Speaking of which, let, so let's talk about this. This that brings up the point, Evan, that this game came from where, Ed? Uh Paul Warrior game. We got it as a copy from uh, Pax Unplugged. Okay, so yep. we got it as a as a uh, review copy at Pax Unplugged from the publishers, right? Yes, we did. Mm-hmm. Right. So we met the publishers, and um, and. 
the and it was a nice group of guys. Um, but I wonder if this is maybe an early version, uh, or perhaps you know not the final, or just a short run. So there could be a lot of reasons why this game may improve in sure. looks mm-hmm. down the road. It's it published, but it's a short run. Yeah. All right. Okay, I'll That's say my take on it. Yep, yep, I agree. So that that could explain the colors. We can, I think, forgive that. I I, I can't forgive one of these graphics. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's the pebble. It's the palm want. pebble cards. Yes. Yeah. That get, graphic get to on it. there. I'm get to it. I'm sorry. It, oh my it, god! It, it's a diamond studded turd. It, it just, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I just cannot see. I get Evan it. Palm not, pebble is a thing, right? Evan and, is not being metaphorical. He's not saying that it is a diamond studded turd. He's saying that it actually looks like a diamond, like a, ru- like, yeah, like yeah. a bunch of rubies. I get. I, I but I get that's not what it is. But it, I, my brain can only go to oh this looks like a yeah they were trying to get the idea across that those little red pebbles were supposed to be wet and shiny and juicy right but they put the sparkle marks on them so they look like they're gemstones sticking out of a piece of clay or something like that yeah yeah so it may it it was it's ugly in a really off-putting way Mm. The the that look of the how it's pebbles. shaped, yeah, and oh, they're no. pebbled, and they're the most important thing in the game. I mean, yeah. if they were if they were spheres, that would have been an improvement because I would not have associated it with something more lumpy. Well, also, <laughs> also a thing I found weird about it is that these cards are numbered, right? But every single palm pebble, like the picture, is the same. Like they could have had like. The palm pebble that's worth ten have little ten pebbles in it or something like that. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it would have cost more. I think you know it's oh, probably yeah, an economical decision. I, I get it. I totally yeah. get yeah. that. And You're I mean, right. You're right. As far as the general art, it's just clip arty. It's clip arty, yeah, which clip-arty, I don't yeah. always. I don't always mind. I don't always mind, and I don't think I would have minded it here if the colors were more vibrant yeah. and if they weren't so like. Green on green on green on green, like six <laughs> six shades of green to the point where stuff started sea to blend green. in with sea each other. Sea foam green, <laughs> sponge sea green. Yeah, yeah. so like stuff started to blend in, and you didn't really notice it. It's like one, for example, one card has like a watering can, a mushroom, the drips from the can, two and two different hill sets, and all of them are like shades, shades of green. green, and they just kind of mush together. So yeah. in that way. Okay, we've said enough on that. Now let's right. talk about play. All right, let's play the game now. <laughs> All right, so play, my goodness, planting fields was trickier than I would have expected from a simple card game. But not in a bad way, just interestingly tricky. Um, so how did you guys find planting the fields? <sighs> um, <laughs> I mean, yeah. so... I wasn't really feeling that relationship between water and fertilizer. Like they're, they're almost exactly the same thing as each other. And you couldn't just use two waters or two fertilizers. It had to be one of each or just one of them. And I got that. that. Yeah, but mean, they anybody, anybody who's ever gardened gets oh, that. I get it, but they did the exact same thing as each other. You know, it's like, hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. They had like the same just, function. Yeah. yeah, but ooh la la, if you got that waterizer, man, mm-hmm. that was the sweetest the card in the game. Yeah. <laughs> a combination Be- of the two. Because w- the reason that it's so great is that it takes up one less spot in your garden. Mm-hmm. You have to, if you don't 
have a waterizer card, you got to have water and fertilizer in your garden, which takes up two slots, which means you can't plant as much, which means you're mm-hmm. not going to yield which much as much, which means less victory for you. So the waterizer was like my favorite card. I mean, it's a solid card, but it's kind of weird thematically to say, oh, I'm sorry, your garden doesn't have room for water and fertilizer in it because you already have too many other things in your garden. Like, it's hmm. you know, it shouldn't it shouldn't interact this like with the spaces in your garden because of how much of trees you planted. Like we'd want more fertilizer, right? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> okay. All right. Let me make a, let me make a devil's advocate here. Let okay, me okay. counter argument this. Cause I, I got to say, I really enjoy planting <laughs> the fields. Um, so I would say that this is about supplying everything you need for your particular field. So, you only have a certain amount of resources, right? Mm, yeah. And you have to, you have to, um, you have to, that's it. You get five cards of resources, mm-hmm. right? Per field, five right. cards of, right, per field. So yeah. water and fertilizer has to go in it in order to plant. That's yeah. just part of the field. It doesn't mean that it's actually in your field growing. Right. It just means that's what it takes to make that. And you only get five cards of resources to be fair to everybody. Yeah, but it, it gets weird though that you're forced to plant a, only one field at a time with the things that you have when it maxes out to what is it, five things? In maybe your that inventory? goes to, maybe yeah. that speaks to the season running out. <laughs> I, yeah, <laughs> but why would you have to plant it at all? Like you plant yeah. it and it can't grow. Why would you plant it? Because you didn't know that when you started it. Yeah, the inventory part of this game was kind of this middle ground in mm-hmm. which you win your you win your bid, your stuff goes to your inventory. Then once your inventory fills up, then you plant a field, as opposed to winning things at inven- at winning things at market and then placing them directly into a field as you go and kind of building mm-hmm. your fields as you go. Now, you, yeah, you get a you get to build your field, but it triggered when you have at least five cards right um, you're forced so, right like if you have four cards oh, you don't have to plant a field yet but if you have five you have to plant your field and or better you have six or seven so this way you can actually uh have a better selection of what you want yeah ideally assuming you win the auction and you right. know how many times did we tie trying to go for that one piece <laughs> that we needed oh my gosh it happened yeah more often than oh than didn't the ties happen. were so painful <gasps> but uh-huh. man did I, okay so here's the part i loved i love that you just lay your card out at the bottom of the row to bid on it that mm-hmm. was so fun yeah, I did and like then that. I was like, lay it out, lay it out, lay it out, and then you could see everybody laid all their cards out, so you could start flipping, which Ed mm-hmm. Ed mm-hmm. hated, but I did anyway. <laughs> and what Ed hated the most was when we took the cards away <laughs> before we were done dispersing. Oh, I hated that too. I hated that too. <laughs> like, yeah. Wait, what's going on? I want to see what's in- like. Hey, all, slow down. That's mm. all me. I just really, <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I was really enjoying the speed of it, of, of how yeah. fast uh, you could potentially get it done. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah that is it, true. It, you it, tested. It, really you put fast. that. Also fun is uh, like seeing the glint in people's eyes when that water line uh, hit the table and like <laughs> Mikey yeah. and Celeste are going to flap their tens on it. Yes. So maybe I'm going to come in at a seven. Yes. Oh, that so eye will actually get me the water line. Mm-hmm. So painful. And when you have only four people, a lot of ties. Yeah. A lot of times it's going to that people second People have similar place thinking player. of what they're trying to do. But I, I, yes. I mean, honestly, I, even though that bidding was probably my favorite part, the mechanically my favorite part of the game, 
when you think about it, the more players you get, especially four and or more, I think, can you go to six? No, it's only two to four players. Four, okay. So I think when you hit the four player mark, there's, it could easily go where no, when one player gets almost nothing, (laughs) you know. Well, for one round, but then the next round they're out of those good cards, aren't they? Depends yeah. on how many ties you. They could all be ties, though. You can, in. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh God, those. Ties. You save your good yeah, cards, and somebody else saves your good cards, and you both tie. Well, high. yeah, be be smart. You know, don't go where you know everybody's going to be bidding high. Forget about it. Yeah. Oh, except for the pests, which you want to bid low. Which thank mm-hmm. you telling me after the. After. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> wasted what? a good card on the pests, trying not to get it. Or I don't know how necessary that was. To it's really. The, the bidding rules. I know it's written on the card among the hundred words that they have written on that <laughs> well, card. I'm just you know, saying. The mechanic no, didn't change, Evan. It's just whoever wins the bid gets the pest. <laughs> it's the right, same as any winning, other card. Right, but, the low bid gets it. Right, the low win. The low wins it. That's what confused me. The low. Huh? Yeah. The, low wins the, the lowest bidder gets yes, the pest. The pests, yeah, it, yeah. It, it wants you to burn your high cards, avoiding the pest. That's how you bid on it, right? It's a total mm-hmm. mirror. <laughs> of, of what, what else was going on and oh right you know, yeah. just, you're trying to jump unpleasant. but not jump too high yeah <laughs> right right i'll give them i'll give the cards this they i thought they were clearly written mm. and i felt that they you know made sense and i didn't mind the way the, the titles i thought were well placed mm-hmm. yeah. and stuff like that so that that was good very little symbology so easy to follow in that regard yeah, I mean, the picture also, I mean, you probably don't even have to read the text of the card after playing a couple of times because the pictures mm-hmm. tell you exactly what it is just by, you know, without even the names on it. So mm-hmm. that's that's clear and nice. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury Pomegranate Planet. Ed. Uh, pomegranate Planet. It's easy to learn and to play. And it's fun guessing what other players are going to bid on cards. Well... Might be n- not that much depth after that. <laughs> For that reason, I'm going to slightly bury it so that the other palm farmers out there might find it. Mike? Um, it was cute and simple, um, but the cards that really mattered were so important to your victory that it made it a little anticlimactic once you missed a couple of them. Um, the mechanic of the bidding was cool, but really not much going on in this game it could have used like maybe one other little layer to it so for now i'll bury it it wasn't terrible but i'll bury it evan pomegranate planet i has some has some good game mechanics the blind bidding's good the special market cards that let you reorganize your fields those were nice touches um i didn't think there was anything particularly exciting about the game and some of the rules to me were a tad frustrating not my cup of palm juice i'm gonna slightly (laughs) bury it (laughs) well um they kind of had me at fast bidding (laughs) yeah you were loving that yeah and i actually did enjoy sort of paying attention to putting together a little field maybe it's because i plant gardens Mm. i don't know but something about it but yeah, in the next run, guys, please change this art, especially the bomb pebble. <laughs> yes. Dig it up for me. It's a dig. Nice. Up. <laughs> All right. Um, what is your pomegranate fix? <laughs> <laughs> we would love to know. Come and talk to us. We are at Which Game First on all social media and Discord. 
And that brings us to the end of our show. We look forward to hearing from you. We love to hear from our game explorers. Uh, if you'd like more perks and content from us, just go to our website. For $3 a month, you can become a patron of this show and get access to our free patron-only podcast. Bonus points. <laughs> if you get a chance, guys, please leave us a like, a rating, or a review anywhere where you listen to this show it really helps come on guys just type something up for us it'll only take you a minute happy gaming explorers hey look that moon has a rocket in its eye (laughs) if you plant it they will grow (laughs) maybe hopefully probably just don't bid on the pests don't bid on the pests (laughs) 